it's nerve wracking, right? Because it's the un- you're walking into the unknown, but you got to remember and keep into perspective what exactly it is that you're doing here. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Boom, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Smarter Destiny podcast, where today we have my good friend, Matt Schmidt. He is awesome. He is epic. Where do I begin? He has taught thousands and thousands of students how to make money online. I have no idea how much that would amount to across all of those people, but he's helped a lot of people make a lot of money. He has made a lot of money himself and he's done this. He's, he's one of the guys I like to refer to as serial entrepreneurs and we love those on this podcast because it means people that have success, like real success, but in different areas, okay? So it's not just all in one money-making way. It's across lots of multi- money-making ways, across many, many years, right? Which really does speak a lot to the personalities and behaviors of that serial entrepreneur, in this case, Matt, um, and how they win at stuff. He is... Um, a member of the Cartels Mastermind, um, our private uh, mastermind, and um, and a really, really um, giving one at that. He is Chief Marketing Officer at Smart Apps, and in his spare time, I'm assuming at this point, he runs a whole bunch of e-commerce stores. He's also um, got a child on the way, and we may even uh, touch a little bit on that because I love delving into um, entrepreneur dads and stuff like that. But uh, without further ado, and without further introduction, because we could probably continue, Matt, how are you? I am great, man. I am fresh off of a boat, and uh, I'm ready to jam with you and talk and see what we come up with. You've, you've definitely got that sort of zen. Uh, for those of you watching on uh, on the video, you you can see. For those of you listening, you can maybe hear. He's got this sort of zen, peace vibes going on. So yeah, I try it. to, man. You got, it's important, right? You do all these stressful things on your day-to-day life, and uh, it's important to get out there and relax a little bit. And I finally got one after a very long period of time i was finally able to enjoy the sun a little bit and actually the sun came out i live in missouri and it's not very sunny this time of year apparently anymore so uh yeah no it's great uh, and really enjoyed it and uh yeah i'm ready to get the you know monday morning so to speak on 11 o'clock on a monday but a monday morning uh, getting rocking and rolling Fantastic. And actually, before we get rocking and rolling, one thing yeah. that has caught my eye, and those, again, those of you on the video, you're getting a lot more than the guys on the audio, just, just to FYI, you know, YouTube's where to find that. But Matt, behind you, you've got like a very colorful $100 bill canvas with a lion on it and loads and loads of like bright colors. Yeah. Um, what's that about? Is there a story behind that? There is a story behind that. So, um, a buddy of mine does this, Rob Cicadas, he does this online. He's got all these different ones. I actually got about. Uh, four more in that in the closet over here that I need to frame and put somewhere in my house. But uh, this one in particular uh, was a, a charity auction. He was auctioning it off. All the money went to charity. Uh, it also coincided with one of the largest months I've ever done in e-com. It was a seven-figure month. Um, and I was like, wow, I feel like treating myself to something like that. Uh, but also I was like, I want to make you know something good of it. So the charity and the the treating myself was a good way of getting this thing. It is massive. Uh, if you can't tell from that, that's a, that's a very large, it's not, I mean, the camera's deceiving. That's a pretty big wall. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very hundred dollar bill. And it just really kind of, uh, spoke to me when I saw it and in, in, in online of, um, you know, you think of a lion as being real, um, closed 
until he actually pops out and needs to be like, you know, he's just all of a sudden he's the strongest guy in the room, but he might just be reserved because he doesn't have to. It's like what they say with like big dogs too, right? The Mastiff doesn't need to bark like the little poodle does because he, he knows, right? Yeah. But when he speaks, you know, I think the, the colors and everything like that was like, you know, kind of him speaking and roaring and all this stuff was coming out of it. So it really spoke to me when I saw it online and I had to have it. So I love it's it. really and cool. I love it. And if there's any budding um, graphic designers out there that um, can see that and can do something like that for a 50 pound note in the UK, <laughs> you hit me up. You let me know. <laughs> I'd be interested in that. Um, okay, so the way we tend to start these, you know, it's um, we spoke off air a little bit um, and you know that this is like a free flow, long form podcast, um, as do the subscribers. But um, what we like to do is we like to go back a little bit to the point where Matt Schmidt was employed perhaps in his final few weeks of employment and um, and really start with that transition um, into um, being bossed into the boss. Um, and so for you, Matt, where, um, at what point of time are we and what, and what are you doing? So, I mean, if we're talking about the last uh, few weeks, I've been on my own for oh, a little over four years now. And Seems like 40, which is what I always tell people. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit over four years now. I've been doing, you know, it, obviously the the uh, the marketplace has evolved in the, in the amount of time that I've been. I mean, we couldn't even advertise in the newsfeed when I started doing this kind of stuff. And I actually started on Google because you couldn't advertise on Facebook. So, um, you know, I've had a couple different businesses, as you said, a kind of a serial entrepreneur. But I really found my, my footing in uh, Facebook ads. But that took some time. So when I tell people the story, like how I got started and everything like that, I really never like did you know, some people like go to work and then they find that they want to do something on the side. I came out of the, uh, of college in the great recession, uh, in the United States and, um, there was no jobs. Right. And so I was sitting in my parents' basement on a computer and I was trying to figure out how to make money. And I had an IT degree. Uh, and so I was like, I can make a website, right? I can rank it. I can find some kind of revenue source. I actually had a, a college weight loss plan uh, website that I had built up and I was going to sell my story how I lost 100 pounds in college. Um, and that didn't go very well because if you know anything about SEO, it's pretty tough, right? And not only that, but I had no real idea of how to monetize anything. So what did I do? I, I started looking around. I was like, wow, you can actually sell other people's stuff online. And uh, that's where I kind of got my way into affiliate marketing. Um, after a couple of months, I was actually doing all right, right? And um, turns out the economy was getting a little better. And then I did, you know, do what what you think that you need to do and you're bred to, to think that you need to do and get a job. Uh, I can't hate on my job, my corporate job. I, I worked for a company here in St. Louis that I'd wanted to for my entire life. My dad worked there, my family all worked there, um, which really actually was probably 50% of how tough it was to actually end up leaving. Um, a lot of people that I actually end up speaking to that are from smaller towns like me end up having that kind of similar story, right? You go to the family business, so to speak, um, which ends up being working for somebody else. So um, it was crazy. You know, I was always doing it on the side. I worked there for six years and I got really good at what I was doing um, and uh, had a lot of responsibility, was was moving up fairly quickly. Um, but I always had that itch uh, to to do something on my own and make, a, you know, have my own decisions. And um, I think what it boiled down to and what an entrepreneur separates, the, maybe an entrepreneur from somebody who's completely content, um, 
being in an employee role. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's it's the the itch of creativity, uh, so to speak, is of down to the micro level. I mean, how many creative decisions do you make on a daily day, you know, day to day basis of like the new strategy, especially the small business, right? You're going to make pivots every single day. Um, large corporation. I've worked for one of the, that, that job I left was one of the largest corporations in the world, and they move like the Titanic, right? And versus you're the little lifeboat, and you're just making like little hops and jumps, right? So I just couldn't do. I, I just felt like I was in the, the different mindset than everybody else. And on a day-to-day basis, you're going there and you're just, you're just not in the same room almost, so to speak, as everybody else, right? Um, and if you're listening to this and it, you've done the same thing, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you're just, oh, why don't we do this? Oh, we can't do that. Like, that would take forever. I'm like, well, that makes it makes the sense to go down this road. And like, there's so many scenarios of my job where I would just be losing it because... You know, you have these ideas and no one wants to implement it because it might take too long or it might be too, you know, costly or you know, there's no immediate benefit or there's all these different things that on a small business level you do on your daily life. So um, I, you know, I wanted to quit for a while. However, I had gotten married and, um, you know, getting to that point of getting married too and having my own house and everything like that, that required quite a bit of income. And I wasn't making, I wasn't rolling around in money uh, when I was just getting started, right? There was more money going out than money going in when I was initially getting my business going. So I stuck with the day job. Um, and then, my, you know what? My wife really challenged me one time. We had a really hard uh, heart to heart. And she really challenged me. It's like, if you can do this for 12 months and do it in a positive way and grow and you, you feel comfortable, right? Then yeah, you can leave. Um, I'll back you 100%, right? Um, and that was like an open door, right? That was really my, what is a positive manner? Like, what does that even mean? That was really, uh, she was just pushing it on to me to do I feel comfortable after that's this period of time in order to leave and go out on my own. And we finally ended up deciding to do it. Um, you know, we, we were in a great position and I had a few things different, you know, going at the time that were really great, different than what I have right now. So in the four years, things have evolved. Um, but I was in a really good spot in order to do something on my own and be that creative person that I wanted to be um, without the, the constraints of a, a corporate day-to-day job. Nice. So, so, um, so the 12 months, was that 12 months from, um, from that point? Like, like she was saying, you need to do the day-to-day job plus your own side hustle for 12 months. That was, that was the, uh, the thing. And, and you were already doing the side hustle in, um, at the same time at that point already, right? As the, as the, as the main job. I mean, Uh, I wanted it bad, right? I want, I wanted it really bad. So yeah, I mean, side hustle, there's a there's a point where a hobby turns into a business, right? And mm. you might you might consider it a business beforehand, but it's really just a kind of a hobby. Uh, I was basically at one point working two full time jobs because I would come I would come home, and which by the way, my day to day job was not just like nine to five and you're out. Mm. It was more like I was in there at six thirty in the morning, and I might have been out at seven o'clock at night, and I would come home. And I would eat food and then I would hang out with my wife for like 30 minutes. She would go to, uh, you know, maybe go to bed or wrap it up for the night and I'd go to work. 
And there were several nights that I, when I was really into it and it was really having success and I needed time, there were several nights where, and I don't recommend this to anybody, uh, I was going to bed about an hour before I'd have to wake up and go to work the next day. So I was only getting, you know, there, and there's only uh, so much of that you can actually do before you snap. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the 12 months was just really her challenging me. And I think we even kind of foul on that number, you know, in, in our discussions. It wasn't like she commanded me to do something, yeah. but... Uh, it was just really us challenging to to make this into something that was sustainable, something that we could. I mean, we're, I'm sitting in a brand new home that we just bought, uh, and we have a child on the way. So once once you move out of your little small world that you get started with, I mean, and things start growing, as you know, as as a dad yourself, uh, you you know your world starts growing, and so you need to be able to take on that, not just what you. I mean, we all, my biggest concern back when I was in my early 20s was just, you know, do I have the money to go out and, you know, watch the Cardinals and have a couple of beers? Like, not, now it's a little bit different than that um, as time has gone on. For sure. But um, just, just to take a little bit of pressure off, Matt, um, today, Saxon, he was playing with sticks and rocks, and they're free, right? So whoever said that children That's perfect. Are I got plenty of those out there. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> loads of, you can just go to the park and, t- and borrow some. It's fine. It's fine. And there's just no, there's zero other costs, right? Every single other human parent in the world, is they're all lying. There's no other costs with, I'm, I'm kidding, yeah. of course. There there <laughs> are, but um, but it's worth it. Um, okay, so 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 you eventually hit that, um, that, that point. Um, your wife uh, gave you the ceremonial uh, key, um, yeah. or, or whatever she did. There was there was probably a parade, um, and <laughs> and um, so you you walked into to the the family run business um, with a bunch of the people from your small town that you knew, and uh, how did that go down? Um. I hate to, it's, it was it's a family it was a family owned company it, it is uh, it's Anheuser Busch I'm not really afraid of talking about it so it's not exactly a small company <laughs> a family run <laughs> company anymore okay uh, but yeah I mean in, in here in St Louis that is it's a smaller U S city but that's pretty much if you talk to anybody they're like they know somebody or um, they themselves work there they know somebody there at, at you know it's a huge a huge company here so um, yeah, I mean, it just it was at a, a boiling point. Um, you know, there was a ton of changes internally with the company right now, uh, at, at that tor- at that point in time. Um, that you know, I was like, this is just the this is the perfect opportunity. Like, the, you don't you don't know what's going on here. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of which, by the way, I learned from that state and I like prevent that as much as I possibly can within my own internal companies of like, you know, let people know what's going on, communication, uh, that kind of stuff, because that does not sit well in the the culture of your, of your company. So, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I had a meeting with my boss and said, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate everything. I mean, everybody knew the, the lineage of, of the people that work there, my family. And, uh, I was like, this is not an easy decision, but, you know, this is what's best for me. So I did the two weeks, make sure I transitioned all my roles and responsibilities to everybody uh, that needed to and did what I could to help out. But, you know, at, at the point of where it's nerve wracking, right? Because mm. it's the un- you're walking into the unknown, but you got to remember and keep into perspective what exactly it is that you're doing here. You're trying to do what's best for yourself. The company that you're leaving will survive, right? They're not going to, you're going to be, somebody's going to be in that role doing your job. Maybe not as good, but somebody's going to be in that role doing his job, your job within a week of you being gone, right? Sure. So it, it's just about making sure that you keep perspective on what you want and what you've been working so hard for up to this point and then pushing forward with it um, and just saying those words. I can't tell you 
the I, I still feel like the big one of the biggest adrenaline rushes I've, I've skydived. I've done all these you know crazy different stuff, but one of the biggest adrenaline rushes I've ever had in my life was when I said I'm putting in my two weeks, and and I just like triggered in my head, and I was like, oh, this is great, you know, like yeah. once it was out of my mouth, I was like, this is this is perfect. I'm excited. Let's go home, uh, and let's get to work. So, nice. uh, yeah, it was it, it was it was a lot of fun. No, nerve wracking is crazy, but I mean, nerve wracking crazy, but it was a lot of fun after it was done. It, exactly. And I'm sure it was a yeah. weight lifted. Okay. So moving oh, on, yeah. a, on a tangent just for a second, because there's something you said there, which I would be remiss to, to not go into. I think that's the right way mm-hmm. around. I didn't use a, a neg- double negative. Um, you said about the communication so important um, within yeah. your team and within your employees, which um, uh, to uh, for updates of your company, which are the most important uh, metrics or what kind of updates are we talking here that you feel are the most important ones that you definitely um feel like you know um ceos and people should be sharing yeah i mean obviously there's layers to everything right so you can't just say like sure like i'm not going to sit down with my designer and then tell them the financials of the company or something like Mm -hmm. that there's layers to everything but like a, a, a very good perfect example of uh of what i mean here is we on my e commerce business we recently did a big overhaul of our brand um, the positioning that we were going to be taking in the market, the design, which affected the design flow, which accepted the uploads, the wording, the, everything, you know, it all filters down. We were making a big pivot in the brand and we we're going to hit two. Uh, there was about three niches that were really strong for us instead of just having them. And then all this other stuff, it was just going to be these three. Right. And so in order to do that, I need everybody on board with the new the new culture, the new mission of the overall brand. So you start communicating that kind of stuff. So I, I just you inform the designers of like, hey, your workflow going forward needs to be into this area. Right. Which if you're in the print on demand business. It can, you know, your designs and the work that they and the colors that they use and all the different things that in the textures and uh, the fonts and everything, it all filters down in that direction. So being open and communicative to them. And, and for us, that it put a pause on their work for like a week or so uh, because, you know, we had to do a lot of deletion and a lot of uh, like removing and all this other stuff on the other side. So if you do that and you affect their work in some regard, communicate with them because uncertainty does not you know, push productivity uh, in a way that is going to be beneficial for your company. I, I I sat in that role not knowing if I was going to have a job after they were doing all these like hires and fires and changes and all, or what my job would even be. Um, and I know what that's like. And that takes up the majority of your worker's brain instead of, you know, focusing on simple communication of like, oh, okay, maybe I take a look in my downtime, I take a look at these designs that have been working and maybe what I can do in the next round or what worked on those. And um, that's the kind of stuff that you want to do and you want to communicate throughout your company. And and I've done that on both the smart app side and uh, on the e-commerce side. And it's just communication when, yeah, like I said, not sharing financials, there's layers to stuff, but making sure that everybody's aligned with the vision of what you're trying to produce um, on, on every level. From, for us, it's uploaders up to my project managers are all aligned on the single mission and where we're going um, because you never know where that's going to, you know, that maybe bumps your conversion rate a little bit because somebody's a little bit more aligned and knows to use the right thing here or there, you know? Love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And so um, we're, here we are. You've just um, you've just uh, you know said the words. A weight's being lifted, and now mm-hmm. you are full time, and uh, you've been doing it for twelve months. Are you still at this point doing affiliate marketing, or has that changed? So um, coinciding with 
uh, if you remember, you, you and I've been in the game for a while. Coinciding where actually, and when I actually left was the big transition from like Teespring over to Shopify stores. Yeah. Um, so I was all in that window. So my coming out, you know, uh, getting out of the work party, <laughs> so to speak, was I'm, I was taking everything that I had been creating on Teespring and I was moving it over to a Shopify store. Um, and so that was a big, that was my first big mission. Um, you know, I've been, and at that time I didn't have smart apps, but um, because the Shopify stores weren't, you know, that big yet, but I was um, doing courses and teaching people and educating. So that was the two different businesses that I had at that point in time. So um, I came out with a course shortly after uh, and started keeping the production flow on both of the businesses, you know, hit the front hit the ground running. Um, especially when in that downtime of the, the transition over here, I was able to put out a course and that was actually, um, if I remember correctly, that was pie scaled with my buddy Albert, um, who did this massive shirt campaign uh, back then. So had really good quality content that came out, um, educated people, and, and just kept the ball rolling with what was working. Because at that point, more, at that point in time, is not the time to reinvent the wheel for sure. What I was trying to do with removing Teespring was increase my margin. So it was not about reinventing the wheel. I just had to further what was already working um, and focus harder on it. Now that I had a bunch of free time. Nice. I like yeah. it. And so and so, um, so you're taking your t-shirts and uh, the the designs that you were selling on Teespring. You're moving them over to um, a Shopify store. And is is that yep. the same Shopify store? Is that still running, or is that since transitioned? So that's uh, that's since transitioned. So um, I've had a few in my day. Um, you know, and I think one of the again, uh, kind of going back on what I was just saying, but um, <laughs> what was working should have been sticking with one store and, and blowing it to the moon until I had this infrastructure to go to another store. So um, I'm not going to act like the four years since leaving hasn't been, you know, a roller coaster, so to speak, on some regards. So, um, you know, I created all these Shopify stores and I had different, I was like, I'm going to do one for every niche that I was good in. Um, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of maintaining uh, stuff. And it was not me and you know the 17 other people that I have on my team right now. Um, it was me and like maybe two other people at the time. Uh, and yeah, so it, it you know I had to remove some clutter and get focused, um, which worked out really, really well because I, I had a, a, a store in the fitness niche uh, that was really big. Um, and then I had two other ones and those have been, uh, one was sold off and I closed another one and merged on the other two together. And I'm basically down to one store but I'm doing bigger numbers than I ever was with all these other different ones. So um, very keep the ball rolling. Like I was just saying, not to go back on it and like not rolling as in let's spread out and do it all over the place, but keep it focused and narrowed in and really go hard and deep in a, in an area that I was um, becoming an expert in, so to speak. Perfect. And, um, and so you're still running the e-commerce store and the, the skills that you picked up through the course creation, um, and the educating that's, that's now rolled into smart apps, right? And is that, is that your role as chief marketing officer there? Yeah. So, um, at a certain point I was looking into hiring developers and, and getting a, like some people for some apps that I was, um, interested in. And I met my, um, partner, I spoke at my partner Devin's event, um, at the time, uh, down in Tampa and kicked it off and hit off with him and, uh, kept the conversation rolling. And he had smart apps at the time. Um, and he was like, look, I got a partner that was looking to, to move out and focus on what he was good. Um, would you like to pick, you know, come in and, and acquire half of it? Uh, and it ended up being, we acquired a part of it and then, uh, our CTO came on and, 
um, and then Devin. So I have two partners at Smart Apps. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- that was kind of the logical move there was, look, I'm, I'm in the game. I'm doing this on a day-to-day basis. Devin's very good at, you know, the, the internal workings of the company. We had a CTO to help us with you know, really taking the apps to the next level. Um, those, th- you know, things, three things together, I'll help, you know, educate people, retain people, make them happy and you get their, you know, successes, um, by doing what I'm doing on the other business. So it was a very logical alignment between the two companies and, and everybody and it's worked out great so far. So that's, that's been about three years in the making now. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're growing at a rapid pace. Fantastic. And so yeah. um, you, you touched on it a little bit there, but um, if we would looked at, um, at Matt Schmidt, the entrepreneur, um, what would you say your top three uh, biggest strengths are when it comes to making money um, online? Uh, like personally? Like or running my, businesses like, yeah. or however you want to tran- translate yeah. that. I mean, the, the one thing I'm good at is, uh, is, is process. I think that comes from being... Um, you know, IT based and uh, exact step by step kind of scenarios and knowing how to program and knowing how to fit things in. Um, if you if you use that kind of mentality, and that's kind of what I did with or with my day job at AV too. Um, if you use that kind of mentality in your business and like you know basing everything on like a step by step kind of motion, um, knowing where you need to go and then kind of backing your way up and then going forward again and saying, all right this is my end goal. This is how many, how much I want to make a day. This is how many campaigns we need to launch. How are we going to get there? Um, so I'm very good at doing that kind of processes. Um, and then, you know, creativity, uh, like I said, like I can come up with the, the, the reason I'm good in print on demand is because I can see something and, and then spin it in my direction and then move with it. Like going down to the lake, uh, I still can't do this. I can't turn my brain off even when I'm relaxed. But you go down the lake and there's all these different people wearing all these different stuff, right? It's the time to have drinking shirts on and fun shirts and stuff, stuff like that. I saw like 50 different designs that I know that I could, you know, put my niche's spin on it or, you know, have some kind of thing that's similar. Um, or even I had a new product idea while I was down there too. So like that's the kind of stuff I, I can see that stuff and implement it what i'm better at now is making sure that i describe that to somebody and then they take the ball and, and go from there so i can focus on the the money aspects of the business and lastly i'm i'm, I'm, I'm feel like I'm rather good at educating people and, and, and instructing people in a certain manner of how to take that those step by steps so like not only the, you know figuring out how to do it but then also telling somebody how to do that. And then that's worked out really good. And and the proof of the pudding would be, you know, the people that I have that come out of there, uh, out of the, whether it's a course or a group that I have that do crazy numbers uh, or, you know, even if it's a small sale, like just getting somebody to that first initial sale and then the ball, the snowball goes down the hill um, and then you find out they did a million dollars or something like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that really keeps me going. And I, I have a, and like because my life was changed in that regard, I try to be as true to that as possible. I, I have a lot of people in my um, surrounding guru or educator field that maybe don't do what they should be doing or or say that they're doing what they're doing, so on and so forth. I try to be as true and then honest as a person as I possibly can um, and show that, you know, this is actually proof of pudding kind of thing. Nice. I like so I would it. say those are three. Yeah. 
Perfect. And so um, you, you, you said, and, and we both know, obviously, being in the, in the same industries, um, that a lot has changed over, over the last two years for, um, for online businesses, particularly yep. uh, e-commerce. Um, or indeed, but indeed, you know, um, a lot of our subscribers, they just have digital businesses, right? And it's, it's outside yep. of e-commerce, but they still rely on the same traffic sources and things like that. But more, more broadly, how, how would you describe, what would you say have been some of the biggest changes um, over the last two years? And how have you adapted your businesses um, to those changes? Um, over the last two years, I think the most important thing that we, um, as you did the Teespring thing, as you did your early shop, like early Shopify stores, you could put you put like a widget on it. a fidget spinner is almost like the, the perfect example, right? What the hell is a fidget spinner? Like, why why did that get to the point that it got, right? It was just creative marketing. I think the fidget spinner was around for years before that actually blew up, but somebody figured it out. It was creative marketing and they blew it up to the sky, right? And then we, and then we all hopped onto it. You got to be a little different in your game now uh, in the last two years. I mean, yes, there's never been more people that have used Facebook. Yes, there's never been more placements, but um, it's a different world, right? It's competitive. There's a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of access. I think that's something that's uh, changed, right? If if we knew, like a I, I, perfect example is a product that my buddy came out with. He, I was like one of the first people to sell it, right? Um, not anybody can sell it, right? So the the, the access to different kinds of products and different kinds of things, that was almost an advantage at the beginning and an almost detrimental in a, uh, in a sense now, right? Because now anybody can see what you were selling and, and then sell it. Now, what do you have to do in, in terms, and I don't want to frighten like anybody that's coming into this that's new, but you have to take it to the brand level, right? And you have to also diversify how you're doing this. Like Shopify, uh, Facebook and Shopify were like these, this, 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 gold mine at early days and all you had to do was push traffic and it was good the traffic was cheap and you could just do it and remotely target almost correctly and you could get a sale now you got to you know take it to the next level so um what we've done and what we've pushed and what we're focused on is not relying on that first yes anymore for the people that were that, that i think that's now more than ever and it will continue to be do i have a, a, a ad that's giving me 5x on the front end anymore I don't care because all I want to do is get that guy in my funnel and then the funnel will take care of the rest, right? So the retargeting, the remarketing, all the kind of uh, uh, the different platforms that you go on, we're on at least three major social media platforms. We got um, other services like um, uh, retarget app and Credio. I, I never know how to say Credio or Credio. I or Critio, but I'm not Critio. sure. Yeah. But yeah, so that so, does as a Brit, I, I, I pronounce the T as well. So it takes Critio. a long time. <laughs> yeah. So like you having that kind of stuff on your on your uh, on your uh, site to help you retarget over time and looking at things um, over a bigger window of time. Right. I think we were always so focused on today. And I know that's easier said than done when you're smaller. But what, back in the Teespring days, we were just so focused that I spend five dollars to make ten or fifteen dollars, uh, you know, or am I profitable today? Um, which is funny because now I'm starting to do that with my diet too, where I'm looking at it instead of the day to day, I'm looking at it in the week or even longer uh, of how many like macros and, and calories I'm taking in or working out that I'm doing. So the same thing with my business, like I'm, st you gotta, you gotta move the window of time. You can't just look at the day uh, and then start looking at the week and looking at the window of time of how long does it take for me to convert that one person, right? 
Um, Pinterest, I've been running ads on Pinterest for a while now, and you, you're almost forced to do it. So it's actually been kind of beneficial in that sense where you can't just, you're, you're going to spend money today, you're not, probably not going to make any sales. But then if you just stick with it, stick with the process, know that you have the targeting down, know that you have the, the right product, converted product, and then let that nurture happen, you start to see that you can make 200, uh, 200% ROI or 300% ROI over the course of time. Get your retargeting then there, track them down with Google Analytics, uh, and open up that window of time. That's, that's the most important thing that you can do in this day and age in an e-commerce business. And if you're not doing that, and if you're not focused on that, then you're going to get beat out by your competition because more, the, the guy that's going to win is focusing on that. And so you talk about um, your funnel, and, and and in this case, we're referring to uh, like the advertising funnel as opposed to like yes. the actual the store funnel, right? So the different yeah. types of ads um, that you're displaying in a sequential order to uh, prospects yeah. before they um, check out. What um, what sort of stages do you have in that funnel, and what is the type of messaging that you're using um, with those uh, prospects according to how hot or cold they are? Yeah, so it's obviously going to be very different between the two the two businesses. Sure. Uh, but say for the 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 uh, e-commerce brand, what you want to do is, uh, or what we try to do is, is spark that initial interest with our ad. Right. Um, all we want is that click for the most part. Now, hey, I know it, I know most most people say the purchase, but like the most important is get them to click and make sure that they're qualified when they do. You know, like they're they're it's a quali- high quality lead, so to speak. And then there, and then what we can do is hopefully get them to buy with you know, a great product, a great design, a great website, everything, trust, all the different factors, and so to speak. Uh, and then I, I keep saying so to speak, by the way. Somebody's probably caught <laughs> on to that, but I don't know why. I never say that, but whatever. You picked it up on the lake, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Picked it up from the lake. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then what I'm trying to do is uh, we, ha- we have – I have data on this, so I'll, I'll say what what's really good for you to do is after the sale, and I think we've had this conversation, and now I think about it, we picked up a survey after people's purchase, like what what almost prevented you from buying today, right? And then for your average e-commerce business, that's going to be price, that's going to be uh, shipping time, and do I trust your business? So our retargeting is all trying to knock down each one of those things. And we usually start, uh, the biggest one was price, so we usually start with the biggest one uh, and then leave like the, the harder to sell ones on the on the tail end, the, the 14 days plus. So in the first day or so, I'm, not, I'm just getting them back to the site because that's mostly, um, I'm walking down the street, saw your product, hit it, and then almost got hit by a car, so I left, and then now I'm gonna come back when I have some time, right? Um, and that works out really good. And then from like two days into seven days, we start giving them some kind of offers, um, you know, 10, 15%, whatever you can afford in your margins. Um, and then we start getting into the next thing, which would be, uh, the shipping time or the cost of shipping or the, the testimonials and things like that. So we find personally based off our data and we're always kind of looking at it, and something that you probably need to adjust and look at for yourself. But if we can knock down the price a little bit. Um, that usually gets a huge chunk of people and some customer testimonials, whether that's price of the product or the shipping cost. Um, and then the price of the product, uh, I'm sorry, the customer testimonials take up the rest. And then we'll start seeing that uh, really pick up the, you know, the 14 days plus kind of people who are just sitting there on it and just don't know for whatever reason, you you know, you throw how much they like it and how you could have had that and you're not enjoying it like they did uh, or and they currently are. That seems to clean up the remainder right there. 
Nice. And presumably this isn't a one size fits all funnel, right? You've you've got different uh, funnels for each each product. Yeah, it was yeah. super different. Um, yeah, for different products, uh, and not only different products because we'll do a lot of like single ad focused retargeting uh, on and that. But uh, for the most part, for this store, right? So I, I've had uh, um, this is actually the current one is not the biggest store I had. I actually sold the biggest store I ever had, um, and it was completely different over there. They just cared about shipping times. So what we did there was we had it worked out where we could ship some stuff out of the United States and speed it up at a little bit of a cost to ourselves. Uh, but it would, you know, it helped close that customer. We could still afford it in the margin. Uh, we didn't do that for the grand scale because it just would have been too cost, you know, too expensive. And at that time, nobody cared for the most part, right? So um, that was good, but only one size fits all out of that business. Now this one over here, I'm already shipping from the United States. So how do I make it like faster? Well, it's more about the cost of the shipping and you don't want to, you want to know too, like what, why weren't you offering free shipping? Well, if I get the majority of people to pay it, that's money that I'm just potentially leaving off the table. And then we've split it. We split tested and everything like that. Um, but you need to have the data to say, is it a good choice or a bad choice for you to charge shipping? And I'd rather charge shipping, get it to them fast then um, not charge shipping, lose that, and have to eat because you, know, you still have a cost, so you eat that on the other side of things too. So it's just about adjusting over time. If I had a baseline for people, you know, I'd always be about um, price, right? Price is almost initially like that. Somebody's gonna because that's what you see out in the market for the most part, right? You don't a free shipping is a different. Um, it, you're not gonna see that at, uh, at like the Walmart that you go to, right? Doesn't make any sense. You might see it on Amazon. Or Walmart or something like that. But if you see rolling back your price, like 25%, you, that's inherently something that people are trained on jumping and, and grabbing when the time is, you know, right now. I like it. Um, yeah. And actually, we did, we did a similar test on, um, uh, on my last e-commerce store. We did a similar thing. Um, you know, we, we switched up. We tried free shipping for a little while. And yeah, it boosted the conversion rate by a little bit. But we ran the numbers. And actually, that change in conversion rate did not um, exactly. did not make up for the loss. Um, in in revenue, um, and because we still had to pay for things to be shipped, right? Right. And um, yeah, and so much the same. Um, actually, coincidentally, a, a lot of the brands that I've been looking at lately, not only do they have um, free shipping, they start hinting on the uh, shipping page or or even asking on the shipping page for a donation to charity as well. Which I absolutely love that. I love I love that they can um, donate to charity. But um, I actually, you know, I thought about that and thought actually a little tick box saying, hey, would you also like to give either the change, right? So if it was say nineteen sixty, nineteen sixty five, or something, you know, thirty five cents um, to bring it up to the round dollar, or um, or just hey, would you like to donate a, a dollar um, or, or whatever, and they can select from a select box. It may well even increase conversion because once someone's gone, they've committed to that. Now, if they abandon their cart, they're like sort of saying, "Screw the charity," you know, and um, you know, and it may well, it may well yeah, increase that, people. which is a, an interesting, um, an interesting little uh, split test there, I reckon. Um, but that's super interesting. And so, how does that vary? Um, I mean, what are you selling on the? Um, uh, I mean, it's the names in the title, but for the listeners, right. what are you selling on the on the smart apps um, business, and how does that funnel comp- um, like differ there? Yeah, so uh, we have our apps. Obviously, we have a, a suite of apps. Um, are they smart? And smart. They are very smart apps. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so um, there are various different things to increase uh, the effectiveness of your store, can help you convert or uh, maximize AOV. I'm all about AOV. Um, so our smart bundle app uh, is all about 
gamification of making sure that a person not only is um, increasing their average order value, but they feel you know they feel good about it. And that's what gamification does. We have this little uh, confetti pop up that comes up and makes everybody feel real nice that uh, that it works. So um, those are sold in the marketplace, the Shopify marketplace, but we also wanted to take it to the next level and help retain um, the people that come in, right? So that's huge for a business like uh, Smart Apps where you have a monthly recurring revenue. Um, and how do you make sure to maximize that? How much, the, the dollar, uh, the, the one lead that came in, how do you maximize that in a way that's beneficial for us and for them? And the best thing that we came up with um, was this uh, course that we have uh, called HCOM 3030. So not to promote on here or nothing, but um, you know, basically what we'll do is give you the suite of apps. Uh, we partner with another company that has an email autoresponder um, and you get that as well for a, a period of time. And we focus heavily on getting you off your feet, off the ground, off your feet, mm. on your feet, off the ground. I think it's what can you be? I, yeah. I guess you can be. I don't know. You can do both, right? Yeah. You jumping. But we want to get you, we want to get the ball rolling with you and your business and then take you to, you know, we have people that have done uh, $10,000 a month, $50,000 a month, uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars in a month, um, and so on and so forth. So there it is again. Uh, so uh, yeah, and that we give you the apps, We and then that, that model has worked out both beneficial for us and also for. Um, the, the end user. We have more success rate than we've ever had before, right? And I think that's a big fault of a lot of the app companies out there um, and probably to their detriment is that you don't have, the, the education needs to be backing up people because a lot of people who come through Shopify Marketplace are brand spanking new, right? And so not everybody's coming from somebody, not only not a, somebody that's reliable, right, for the most part, but also just anybody in general, no, no direction, no, nothing. So we can get you started on Facebook ads and retargeting and marketing in general. I'm, I'm big about making sure there's a difference between just running traffic and marketing um, and making sure that you're having the best chance of success possible. So that is a high ticket though, because of the nature of the product, right? So it's a much higher ticket than e-com. So the funnel on that is longer. The funnel on that um, it varies up with like payment plans and things like that. Uh, but I don't have any free shipping. It's a digital course and digital apps. Like I don't have any free shipping. So price is big and um, just overall understanding that the person that you're signing up with is a reliable source. The trust factor is massive. Um, so what would, what do we do? We have a huge wall of testimonials, uh, that, you know, before you get to the buy button of people who are just constantly posting results in their group. Um, and that helps with the trust factor there. And then the payment plans and, and a little bit of a deal or price helps on that aspect of things too. But you have to, you have to remember that the, the person who's going to buy a $2,000 course is completely different than the person who's going to buy a t-shirt, right? And the mental state that they're in and the objections that they have, um, you don't have that many objections when it comes to like buying a t-shirt or not, right? Is it, is it going to make me itch? Am I actually <laughs> going to get it? Um, and you know, that's pretty much it. And then a course is like, is, do I have the time? Um, is this worth my money? Am I going to get my money back? There's tons of objections that you need to work out and uh, you have massive opportunities for those who listen to do digital courses. There's massive opportunities for you to do that all over the place with digital because you should be giving as much content as possible, right? We, we do like hours of webinars. Um, you know, our, my partner, Alex's ads are long and massive. Um, and you can hit those objections in there 
as well as emails and the follow-up sequences of ads as well. So um, if you don't hit those objectives, you don't listen to your customers, you don't try to overcome those, don't be surprised on either one of them that they're not successful though, right? Yeah, that, that makes sense. And um, yeah. and and so did you still do the surveys um, like when someone's buying these high ticket items? I mean, how did you, so you said like your biggest weapon there is like a wall of, um, wall of testimonials. Um, how did you, I mean, was that just a time thing, like a long time thing just to gradually get those results through from students and build that yeah. up like at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, we started, obviously when we, when we started the course, we didn't have it uh, necessarily for the course, but I've been doing this for a rather long time. Right. But even if you had, so I, we used some prior results of like, and then the messaging was, this is Matt's teaching. These are the results from Matt's teaching. Now we can confidently say, these are the results from the content you're about to purchase. Yeah. So yeah, be transparent, be up, you know, making sure that people understand that that's not, that there's a difference there, but quickly transition. Right. So it only took, uh, a, you know, a couple of weeks once we started selling the course because we we phase people through content, right? We don't just like here's here's how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. We try to make sure that people are in the right mindset and getting them towards their goal. But um, you phase people towards that, and then the results come in, and then you start using that, right? And so the biggest assets and the biggest testimonials uh, are going to be your biggest weapons when it comes to that, right? Uh, there's nothing more powerful than people who are advocating for you um, based off of your real results that you're getting them. Um, and so we do a lot of follow-up just like this. We'll have conversations with people, record it, put it out, um, and, and make sure that people understand that this is just like them, right? Um, you know, that I didn't have a lot of time, so I can speak to, you know, when I was starting my business, I could speak to that. But people who are doing this now need to know that it can work when you're selling something of that magnitude. And just, I, we don't rely, I say this when my business partner owns a Lamborghini, but like we don't rely upon like me with a Rolex and, you know, walking down the street in some, you know, LA scene or something like that. Like I own a, a, I own a nice truck and I live here in Missouri and I live a nice life. I'm trying to build a business so my family can have a nice life. I'm not trying to buy Rolexes and do all that kind of crazy shit. So that has to also translate over into it as well. I like that. Being real people, yeah. I've got a fun story actually with a Lamborghini. A friend of mine um, actually bought one and uh, returned it to the dealer at a massive loss like five days later. He hadn't taken oh. into account the, uh, uh, the the speed bumps that were, I don't know if you had them there, like, like bumps in the uh-huh. road that are designed to slow you down. He hadn't taken those into account. Um, and they're all around where he lived and so oh. like coming back home or leaving that he had to go over them and uh, like some of them were like smaller ones and they were just really uncomfortable to go over for him God. and others others like were you know too high unless he took them just right otherwise he'd have um, like affected the car so it was a really yeah. really expensive lesson there um, yeah what, did they, what do they good. say what do they say? They say uh, like once you pull it off the lot, it's like oh yeah, thirty yeah. percent value gone it's, or something. It's second hand now, <laughs> you oh. know. So, oh yeah, so uh, that was that was a fun story. Anyway, so um, so I you touched upon it and you said like um, you obviously you you've you've been exposed to a lot of students and um and there's successful ones and there's less successful ones. What mm-hmm. um what observations do you see time and time again in both the uh the behaviors and the uh the approaches or um, the avoiding of problems, like the successful students, how, what are they like? What do they do compared to the unsuccessful ones? 
Uh, I mean, I've been, do- yeah, like uh, we've been doing this for so long and, and it, it, and I stress this in my group as, as much as I possibly, we do like weekly lives and I always get like a bunch, gather up your questions and then I'll cover them live on a, uh, on a call. I can't tell you, and it's not there, it's not anyone's in particular's fault, right? But you, you, when you do stuff like this, and this isn't anything, you might even follow a process, right? Like I can take a golf lesson right now, right? I can, I could watch it on TV or I could go out and I could take a lesson then I could start swinging. And you might feel like what you're doing is what you just saw and what you're, you know, what you were told to do. But when it comes down to it, you get like you maybe even get a video or something back of it. You're not doing anything close to what what the guy was doing, you know, and that's not your fault. That's just the nature of things. Mm. So I think what what the biggest fault I've ever seen or I not I ever seen, but the biggest fault that I see is that we lay out a course and, and, and my Facebook ads teaching and is very much methodical. Like I, like I was telling you about, like, do this, then this, then this, then this. And I give them kind of like a, a product that hits. This is how you scale it up. This is how you like refresh creative. This is what you do next. This is how you retarget. And then we kind of show them how to duplicate that, right? So I'll have somebody say that they did exactly what I did in the course or show them in the course. So exactly what, and nothing works. Uh, put besides the fact that you could do everything perfectly with Facebook ads and still not get a sale, right? But you go back and, and this is where, uh, this has been a real big game changer for us is saying, show me what you did. Right. Show me the step by step. And we have a, uh, we give them a, a sheet to show them the step by step. And it's not what I said in the course. Right. And then what the, the, the nature of, I guess, humans or whatever human beings is that they want to take a little bit of change here and then a little bit of change here and a little bit of change here. And then when you look at it from you step back and you look at it, it's nothing close to what it was before. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that my process is like perfect by any means, right? I'm, I'm not the biggest e-com store in the world. What I am saying is that if you do follow a process, your chance for success is much higher because if something breaks down, you know where it is, right? If I, if I am showing people, and I've done this times and times again, here's your A to Z, right? Now show me uh, what you did and the A to Z is different. I'm like, all right, well, if, if you follow the process, I can see right here that nobody's adding to cart on your product, right? And so what does that mean? That means that it might be your price. That might mean that you, you your, is your ad image bad because they couldn't see your product beforehand. They didn't know what they were clicking to. And there, there's different steps and angles that we can take to cure that objective. Now, if you take everything's crazy and you're trying all this different stuff and you're all this different things, I have nowhere to point you to or you have nowhere to point you to yourself, right? Because the next ad that you launch is going to be completely different too. So how are we going to compare these two ads, right? And say, this one was successful, this one wasn't. Well, guess what? They're both completely different from each other. So we try in my own business and and in my teaching and everything like that, we try to do repetitive processes uh, and, uh, and do that as much as possibly can. And the guys that I see in my course that stick to that, and do the same thing over and over again and, and learn. I'm not saying just do the same thing over and then if it's not working, never change anything. But I'm saying is if you do the process over and over again, you can at least point to what failed, correct that one thing, try it again, and then keep trying to tweak. But it, the, the more variables that you have, the less likely you are to fix anything that goes wrong. And so the guys that stick with it, they, it ends up being that one thing that clicks like, oh, I was doing this. This is what I needed to change. And then they could start getting more and more success. And then it's a snowball and it's off to the races. 
right? Yes. So they can, yeah, that, that's usually 90, I would say 90% of the time, it's that. And then on the flip side of that coin, like I said, it's not about just doing the same thing over like an insane person and then and never, you know, never adjusting. But if you are never adjusting too, that's going to be um, detrimental to your business as well. Like if you're not seeing the fault in the ad structure that you're using or seeing the fault in your targeting or seeing the fault in your product selection or seeing the fault in um, your, your website looks like garbage. Uh, I guess I can curse on this. So your le- website looks mm-hmm. like shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, if you don't see that and j- adjust to it, then, yeah, again, that's going to be another thing for you. And then overall, just being discouraged way too quickly. Like, I mean, if you want to, if, if your goal is to buy the Rolex and do all that stuff like that, do you really think that just getting, they're not handing those things out, right? Mm. It takes a certain amount of work and a certain amount of input and a certain amount of determination to get past all the little failures that come, uh, you know, in a day-to-day basis in this world. And when you're at scale, like there's constantly some kind of headache, you know, some kind of fire you need to put out. I think I had more fires on a certain, I think it was about two weeks ago. I got hit with uh, probably more fires than I've ever had than in my recent memory of my own business. Uh, and like I've had more fires at AB, right? But it wasn't my business. Hmm. So then it, it was much easier to, to overcome. And, and be, but I was, I was knee deep in fire, burning at the waist down, <laughs> I guess, or the knees down. Feet and no longer on the ground because feet are burned on the ground, to the ground is liquid. Fire well, and right? all the other, all the other weird shit that I want to say. Uh, but... I come up with those re- weird phrases to like prevent myself from cursing. So I'm trying to do that. Uh, yeah, you, you had permission to curse. I know, but I'm like, wrong you know, with you? It, yeah. I know, but you know, yeah. when that is one of the biggest problems of, uh, of being an entrepreneur and working from home. And it's just me and my dog that sits over here. Like I was yeah. just fucking cursing all the time. And then my, my filter was completely gone. Then you get into like a public setting with your in-laws or something like that. And you'd be like, ah, oh, that was fucking stupid. And I'm like, Oh shoot, I should, uh, I should dial that back a little bit. Um, uh, it's, it's all good. I'm pretty sure I might be the first uh, podcast interviewer to ever say what the fuck's wrong with you to a guest. So, um, oh, you know, yeah. it's all in jest. Does so. that mean I've been doing good? Because I have, <laughs> I have had you win. Question. You win. <laughs> yeah. You win your f- fiery ashes of feet back. Yeah. So, your, I mean, your, your fire feet. I could have, I, I, you know, and, and the, the, the moral of that story was I could have felt like bottling it up right then and there and then just packing it up and, and going because it's like this is. I mean, it's going to cost money. It was a money thing. It was a time thing. It was a stress thing. And all just started firing away at one time. That stuff is always going to happen when you're running your business. So you've got to be able to keep things in perspective and, you know, and make sure you remember what exactly you're fighting for. Or it's really, and again, in a day-to-day basis, it's not going to be worth it. And do you have that in the process? I mean, we're going to jump into some quick, um, quick fire questions. But in terms of the the onboarding of your new students, uh, do you get them to to let you know actually what it is their dream is, what they what it, why they're doing it, so that you can like refer back to them in times difficult times? Yeah, I mean, so you know, we have about um, ten thousand people that have come into the course now. So it's hard to do. We do as much as one on ones we possibly can. We have we hired coaches on and things like that. Um, but we what we do is we have a mindset section, um, which is probably the most important part of being an entrepreneur for sure. Right? Um, is just being able to have that mindset of overcoming those obstacles and pushing past things and creativity and all that sort of stuff. So we spend. You buy our course, you don't get like Facebook ads training, 
right right off the bat. We drip feed that to you after we do a, a heavy dosage of mindset training. Um, my partner, Alex, is incredibly good at it, and he's 100% on point with all of it. Um, just really just trying to get you into the, the mindset of, I know how much work this is about to come, and I'm going to keep remembering why I'm doing it and, you know, what my why is and all this different stuff because and, – and not expecting just, you know, oh, I just – I hit enter and all this money started flying out of the uh, computer, you know, like some people. And, and, and it's almost like a clear indication for us as coaches of like who skipped that and who actually watched it. Because, it, you know, if somebody will come in here and complain about something and I'm like, well, you obviously missed the entire mindset section. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How much work, you know, how much I, I want mutually the, 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 the relationships that I get people past their hurdles are they're they're putting into the work, too. Um, otherwise, like I can't just force you into profitability and, uh, it's no matter what, I can't click a button for you. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, so, so time is going fast. Um, but you know, there's always the, uh, the possibility of a, a round two, so no worries. But yeah. at this point I'm going to jump, uh, I'm going to change pace for a second. <laughs> you had a tiny heads up on this. Um, I very rarely yeah. give any kind of real heads up. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the quick fire questions section of the podcast, by the way, you're doing great. Oh, um, um and so forth and and so we're gonna jump <laughs> so <forth. laughs> we're gonna we're gonna well jump to the quick fire questions um i ask ask them quickly you can you can take as long as you want um okay. w with them but you know it's a it's a bam bam um thing so let's jump straight in and the first question for you matt because i know this should have a good answer is are there any unusual things you eat or drink regularly and why uh, it might not be unusual for the crowd that's on this, but uh, I'm heavy into to keto and intermittent fasting. So uh, in my immediate circle around here, it's pretty weird for when you're, I'm walking around having a uh, apple cider vinegar drink or, um, you know, eat, just eating a lot of meat and fat instead of uh, of everything else. Everything kind of looks at you like with two heads around here. So in my immediate circles and around here, uh, you know, just like. I had bacon, ham, and uh, eggs the other day, and an apple cider vinegar drink, and I got like five different looks at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, online, though, in the inter entrepreneur commercial uh, circles, there it's a little bit more accepted and known. Nice. And do you yeah. have that? I mean, presumably you have that as a process written down somewhere. Is is there any way that I or any of the listeners can get hands on Matt's wonder wonder method? Uh, Not no, that I need certainly, it. You know, I mean. I'm, I feel very good and confident about teaching people a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, I've been doing fitness for years, but I follow uh, Thomas DeLauer is a, a big guy online. Um, uh, he has a massive YouTube channel. So most, a lot of that stuff comes from, from him. Um, and then uh, I have a, uh, a gym here in town and the trainer um, for workouts and stuff like that usually comes from him. So uh, I feel it's, it's, it's definitely a strong suit of mine. Uh, however, I still lean on, on professionals and experts for that kind of information, especially people of that, of that grade. Absolutely. Um, okay. So um, apple cider vinegar, I think that's up there in terms of particularly as a drink. That's Tastes up like there. Shit, and, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes yeah. like sugar. Okay. So um, next question, how do you get yourself into a state of flow? Uh, I, again, uh, I have to work out every morning, almost every morning. Um, if I'm going to work, if I'm going to work, I'm working out. Right. So like Sunday I take off both businesses, but, um, they're both business and fitness, I should say. Uh, but 
I have to work. And I, I get in there, you know, I have a classic playlist, probably 20 of the same songs that just kind of rotate through. But I found my groove, built it all together uh, and hit my, you know, hit the weights and just basically take out thoughts. And I've never had better thoughts and also never had like worse thoughts, like, you know, as I'm getting, you know, a deadlift up or something like that go through. So I find that incredibly critical to my success, um, not necessarily just being in shape, but just getting in there and just getting some energy out and, and then coming back and not having some of that built up shit um, when I sit down at this desk and I'm ready to rock and roll. So if I do not do that, it's a it's a terrible day. So it'll be interesting when my kid comes and I'm, I'm less uh, less free time. <laughs> to, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to give, you, give you some uh, some advice on on that one. But um, so what does the first 30 to 60 minutes of your day look like then? Um, like literally so I from work, getting up and what time do you get up? Let's go. Uh, so I get up, we get up typically around six o'clock in the morning. Um, and we're at the gym. My wife and I are at the gym by six thirty, six forty. So, uh, it's just simply getting up, getting a coffee. Um, I don't like to immediately jump into the gym in the 30, 40 minutes when the gym's only five minutes away. Um, you know, I just kind of stretch out, you know, clear my mind. I try not to check my phone immediately. Um, doesn't always work like that. But also, you know, just kind of take it easy, talk with her, you know, and then get to work. So she she and I drive together and at the gym by 640 and we're both hammering it out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, and what habit or opinion do you have that other people tend to disagree with? Oh, oh, <laughs> wow. Um. Are we doing a, Are we supposed to delve into politics now or something? No, I, 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 yeah, keep, no. guess keep asking that. Like, no, no politics or religion. Let's just uh, yeah, no. skip those. Um, you know, I, I I feel like um, I feel like being an entrepreneur sometimes gets you both in the in the realm. Of, I don't know if you've ever had this kind of feeling, but sometimes people just don't quite understand it. Hmm. Um, and not to say that that's like the number one thing. But I said something to someone very recently that, you know, because my, my child is on the way and they're like, oh, what do you think about like college and stuff like that? I was like, well, I'm not sure if, if she's going to go to college. And and that delved into a big kind of, you know, conversation of why? Like, don't you want them to be educated? I'm like, ah. <laughs> like I don't use any really anything anymore of what I, you know, IT was a, is in there a little bit, right? The process and all the stuff like that. But I could have learned that outside of it. And actually I did very early in YouTube days, learn more programming languages on YouTube than I did in college. So mm -hmm. um, I think that that kind of colleges does not needed. And also I want my daughter to take over my business later on in my life gets me into some, you know, some hot waters as of recently. I would say that's a much more recent thing. Sure. Ah, I agree with that. Um, so, uh, you know. I mean, it's not sustainable, right? Like you can't have, you can't, it, college can't just keep going up. It's a broken system anyway. So unless it resets and completely is different. See, I can delve into this. I'm trying yeah. not to. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I, um, I go into my opinions. My opinions echo yours. I go into it in the introduction of my, my book. So, uh, um, yeah. you know, people can read that. Um, but yeah. I, I agree with, with little, little, tweaks okay so if you ran a school so we've just gone right college now nah. right but if you did actually run a school right. but could only teach one non-traditional lesson what would that be uh non-traditional lesson uh yeah i think i think i could talk 
I think I think I could talk a little bit about um, you know creating a business on your side kind of thing in a in a in a college setting. I, I don't know if that fits, but so it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be you. It's it's really the question is saying like what what are kids not or people at schools not taught about that they really should be taught about? It doesn't have to oh, be shit. you, the teacher. Yeah, no. Somebody needs to start teaching people how to manage their money in college. Um, it's funny, like you get all these different prepare, like how to do things. I think the most education I got in college was like how to write a check, but no yeah. one told me how to che- balance a checkbook, yeah. right? So like that's that's seriously lacking from people's education because I think they they don't want I, almost if if you want to go into conspiracies, maybe they don't want you to know how much money you're going into debt in college, right? <laughs> if you start maybe. learning how to do your checkbook, you're like, holy shit, I am in trouble. Uh, <laughs> But I would think that like, you know, managing your finances, being you know conservative with your money and not just like because I got paid, it's time to spend money kind of thing um, would be something seriously lacking in, in education right now. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, OK, what book um, and that can extend to YouTube channel or audio book or podcast or whatever. But what book had the biggest impact on your life? Uh, Shoe Dog. Did Shoe you read Dog. that one? Yeah, is that is that the Nike founders? Uh, the Nike one? founder, yeah. That uh, did you just correct I, me because I, I said Nike, not Nike? Yeah, it's not Nike. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a small brand. Let's go. Uh, this Nike, I've never heard of this Nike before. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I just read that. I think I was in the right mood and the right setting for that book, and uh, I went cover to cover on that thing in four days, maybe, and I was wow. traveling and stuff like that, and. I just couldn't put it down and it just really like his overcoming and like he was selling stuff before he had the supply chain and and he's like in the same setting or the same kind of mindset. I was like, I don't recommend this to anybody, but it was just awesome to see like that kind of motivation and that kind of creativity and then that morphed into Nike or Nike. So to speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, all I would say, and I, I love the book, but going for a pointless side topic here. I mean, do you ride yeah. a bike or a bikey? I mean, this is this is my argument on it. But until I have the founder of uh, Nike, who is named after the Greek god of victory or success or something, right? Um, until I hear that pronunciation from one of them, I'm going to keep calling it Nike. And maybe it's just an English thing. I I don't know. But uh, you know, if you uh, if you do want to complain, anybody, just you know, write that shit down. And just put it in a bin and it will find its way to me. No worries. Right. Um, have you got any advice for any previous boss um, or, or authoritative, authoritative power that uh, may have once um, been a part of your life? Yeah. Um, what's the chance that one of my bosses would stumble into this podcast? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, stop putting employees in a box and let them let them take on responsibilities and you know spread their wings. Beyond that, uh, I've had bosses that are uh, one boss in particularly that was incredibly constrictive and almost and it sucks the life out of you. Um, I feel like a lot of people who uh, end up dreading and hating their job probably work for people like that and would probably be much happier with a better boss. And the problem is, is I know that looks good in some regards to the people above that guy because he's maybe checking all the boxes for his boss. Mm-hmm. But fuck, dude, it, you're working for somebody like that. I, I've had, you know, I've seen it uh, in other departments and other people I work for and uh, friends and things like that. And a boss can really suck the life out of you if you're just if you're just too constrictive on your on your uh, employees. 
I like it. So where do you, assuming you're not on the lake um, every weekend or every week, um, where do you go or what do you do to get inspired? Um, Don't say workout. No, it's not workout out. It's kind of corny and cheesy, but I like being around money. Um, And so like it, it happens a lot on the golf courses that I play on uh or or at the lake or just driving around um i can get incredibly inspired by just being around money because my mind starts going and saying what are they doing or like how like not to be at the lake but you go by at the lake of the ozarks it's it's all this real estate and i haven't been down in um a, a year and i hadn't been to this part of the lake in two years and in that time mansions have just popped up on the real estate right and these are secondary homes for people so it's like where you know what do they do how and want to understand it i want to understand it and then that inspires me and then you find out like one guy i saw down there he had a literal castle and my father-in-law had been in the house and he said that the guy's got his ferraris inside the house and an elevator that go from his garage and then they store underneath his garage and he's got a bunch of them in there and i was like well what does the guy do for a living he invented the uh telephone that goes between like prisoner and guest in a in a prison you know on the on the glass where somebody's on the phone Mm. and i was just like that is the dumbest thing to own a castle for i've ever heard in my life but it, that inspires me in a sense of like you literally that dude found what he was uh, an idea and ran with it and now he owns a castle overlooking a lake and he's got a ferrari garage you know so it's, it's just amazing to see money out there and what people can make and what they can do with their hard work and as long as they're pushing themselves anything is really possible I love it. And the irony yeah. that um, he built something that was a device in a, a building designed to keep people in and people out and then decided to use that money to build something which whose history is in keeping people out. Uh, it, kind <laughs> yeah. of, it hasn't been lost on me. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I didn't think about that. That's funny. So if I gave you $5,000, um, how would you double that in 24 hours? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The irresponsible side of me would say put it on black, but, uh, um, you know, I would just, I would find, uh, in 24 hours. Damn. That's a question. Yeah. That is no retargeting is, uh, you can't do your long tail. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking like, you know, uh, by, a maybe like, uh, find a store going out of sale online or a a store in my area going out of sale, buy up their inventory of some kind of demand product and trying to flip it. I, I don't know. There's tons of opportunities, but 24 hours puts a, puts a good time constraint on it. What Um, would you like me to extend it to? Like maybe, maybe a week. Maybe a week. Well, you know what? I mean, in my personal life, what I would think is $5,000 can get you a valuable employee that could probably add a number to your business. Now, whether or not, uh, the return is is within uh, 24 hours. That's one thing. But a week, you might be able to, if you hire the right person, the right opportunity, um, that might be, or, you know, in this day and age, you do like the right influencer for $5,000. You can make that back pretty quick. And that might actually fit into your 24-hour window mm. right there. So $5,000 is a pretty strong post from an influencer. And if you get the right, you know, the right person, that might actually work. That's a 
really strong i mean that's actually your business plan answer right which we don't get very often <laughs> for that question so uh uh moving swiftly on um what's the best advice ever given to you uh best advice ever given to me um my dad told me once that uh the world in it, it my dad was a marine drill sergeant so he would sit very well in his late earlier years with this podcast of cursing so <laughs> um he said that no one's going to give you shit for free so you're just going to have to learn how to earn it and that really resonated and stuck with me uh from very early on because i did not i didn't come from a um like a rough upbringing by any means my parents worked very hard and they they gave me a very nice upbringing um, but my dad was making me earn every single uh, ounce of uh, of things that I got. So, like, you know, I was out mowing lawns. Um, I had a business mowing lawns from that he helped me start or very early on. I was mowing our own lawn. I was doing our laundry. I was lining up at Saturday mornings, putting stuff away. From you know, My mom was doing uh, or helping clean the house and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it it certainly could have been harder. I'm not saying that I had a rough upbringing or anything, but my dad did a very good job of making sure that I knew the value of hard work. Um, and that was something that phrase always stuck with me uh, from from the time he told me it. That's a, that's a good phrase and not sugarcoated. Yeah. And I was kind of expecting it to be more fluffy coming from a Marine drill start sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> He's 70 and still kick your ass. So. <laughs> 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 uh, what silly thing should people do more of? What silly thing should people mm-hmm. do more of? Mm-hmm. Uh, shall I ask uh, your dad or? Right. Sorry, I think people on. take, I think people take themselves way too fucking seriously. Um, and it's, it's probably really detrimental to their lives. And I think they need to let the kid, uh, in themselves and the, the what you had fun of, what you had fun, uh, doing as a kid, you probably would still have fun doing now if you just really just stop being so full of shit. So, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, Marvel guy and like, I got shit over here and I see them all when they come out and I got shirts and stuff like that. Um, and I embraced that side of me because that, the, you know, that stuff helped my imagination and possibly the creativity we've been talking about this entire time from a very early age that and like Legos and all the toys and stuff like that. Not saying I'm playing with Legos, but I'm not saying that I'm not like, Maybe watching a YouTube channel full of comic book shit and seeing what's up with that or just living life a little bit and not just trying to be like some fake ass dude that, uh, you know, that half the world is apparently now. Everybody's an Instagram influencer. So it's just interesting to see everybody being fake as shit. And then you realize that to just loosen up and have a good time. And I think it'll be a much better world for you. I like that. I I have this theory as well that part of the reason that um, the, the sort of silly sock uh, fashion in recent years has come about is just that it's the it's the inner child yeah. trying to come out and breathe when you have to wear a fucking suit to to work right and it's yeah, like absolutely. oh I, I, I have i have free reign on socks there's no dress code policy for socks right damn i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have socks made of candy floss and walk exactly. into the office and, and unicorn underwear anyway uh, i get <laughs> it i get it i get it um okay and uh right so uh penultimate question I love asking this one. I always say I love asking this one as well. Sorry, regular listeners. But would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? And why? A uh, hundred duck-sized horses. Tell me because why. Because 
a horse-sized duck sounds terrifying. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, if you just that just came out of nowhere, and I, I feel like a hundred duck-sized horses would still just be, you know, I mean, there's nothing threatening about that. What are they going to back up and kick me, and it's just going to be a little light thing? So, you know, you just start punting away with a hundred duck-sized horses. So yeah, no, the duck, the the huge duck sounds terrifying though, because that at, maybe at that scale they might be able to do some damage. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guess. I guess that's, yeah. And that's as you we've we've had a whole run of like people answering the other way to you as well, so it's refreshing to get that answer. But yeah. it is really is it's like one of those things like does the ketchup belong in the cupboard or the fridge, right? It polarizes people, and people have yeah. fierce arguments. What's your answer on that one? Ketchup in the cupboard or the fridge? Fridge, yeah. fridge. Yeah. yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but I'm assuming it's like keto keto ketchup. Keto. <laughs> All right, so we're onto the onto the last of these of these questions. Matthew Schmidt, what makes you happiest? What makes me happiest? Mm-hmm. Um, are we talking about like small things or like just overall in the scale? Just, I mean, things? like whatever, whatever makes you happiest. Um, I'm going cornball here for this one. All right. Uh, like the single thing that makes me like happiest uh, and make me laugh probably harder than anything is when I get my wife to like belly laugh. Um, that's that, that shit. I, I would like, I try to be funny to get to achieve that. So I feel like that's probably the thing that makes me like the single moment and uh, happiest now. Um, does that change in a little bit? I'm not sure because I get pretty goddamn excited when, and happy when I see the, the ultrasounds and the heartbeats and I feel a kick and stuff like that. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in 14 weeks. So, uh, weeks. but right. I would say right now it's the, Right now, it's to get my wife to belly laugh makes me pretty damn happy. Nice. And is it like a bigger belly laugh now that she's like considerably pregnant? Like, is it, is it <laughs> yeah. noticeably different? No, I, I, it's it's pretty still. It's still pretty much the same thing. It's straightforward. <laughs> but she she has this laugh, and then she has like this belly laugh that like you know something is like just gotten her, and like and it, it goes on for a little bit, and it's just fucking. It's hilarious. We watched this dude on Netflix the other day, uh, and he was hilarious i got i i forget what his name was but he had a thing about a horse too um and uh fuck dude she was just belly laughing like crazy it was it was it was great it was a good night nice yeah. Nice. Uh, my wife actually was sometimes when I make her laugh, she she gets hiccups afterwards, which is like a constant reminder <laughs> that you just pushed it to the edge a few months sort of thing, which nice. is like really satisfying. Which is like, through the through the evening. But uh, oh, dude, uh, this has been emotional and it's gone very, very, very quickly. Um, thank you so much for dropping all of the uh, the bombs and the value and the insight um, that you have. Um, at this point, I'd like to ask you: Have you got any um, asks or requests? for the audience of this podcast um yeah i mean i, I mean i guess I, I i've been working with people i know that i know your audience is probably very varied but like just speaking to the people who are just maybe brand new or in the in the um first couple of stages of growing their businesses just always try to remember uh what you did this for right what have you just been burning all these hours for because you know if you lose perspective on it um that hard decision of like, do I get off my ass and stay up a little bit longer? You know, get off the couch. Do I say a no? Um, then you know, otherwise would have been a yes, right? I had to do a lot of that starting off. Like, tell my buddies, no, I'm not going out. I'm not going to go watch the Cardinals game. I'm not going to drink some beers, whatever. Just always remember where you're 
coming from and why you made that initial choice. And I think it'll be easier for you. Even write it down and put a big sign on it right there. Uh, let me like, uh, you know, like he's got right here on his board. And yeah, there you go. Uh, and just remember that. And I guarantee you it, shit will start clicking as long as you're pushing and take every single little click. Um, like, Oh, I got a sale or, Oh, I got this one ad to be performed better. And I take that all as a win. And it'll just be one thing after another that just builds upon it. Like stop assuming that it might just come all at one time and start taking the little wins that'll build you up towards, uh, towards the big ones. Right. Um, and then that'll make your days better too, because if you start considering every small thing as a win, then every single day you're winning, right? And it'll, they'll outweigh the little losses that are along the way too. So that's about it. Like that's the if I had to speak to like the beginner or the entrepreneur that's was in my you know four years ago or ten years ago when I started doing either 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 time frame. Um, that's it. I mean, that's that's the difference maker for the majority of us. Uh, and then just stay focused and give everything this hardest try that you got. And then don't be discouraged. Maybe e-commerce isn't for you. Maybe digital marketing is for you. But it's not something to hop between. It's something to give your all to and then really make a tough decision. As tough as it was for me to leave my day job of, of swishing fields and you know trying something new. Uh, and then focus because the shiny object shit is what gets you in trouble. Um, you're not going to be the guy that does Pinterest ads for digital marketing, also Facebook for local and all this other different crap that's out there right now. Stay focused, find something that interests you and push it um, and change your life if that's what you want to do. Boom. Well, Matt, thank you so much, man. It's been emotional, emotional. it's been rocking, but so be it. Um, you've been mm -hmm. a fabulous, <laughs> fabulous guest, man. I truly appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. And I appreciate the, the time and I hope everybody uh, enjoyed the call. Fucking right, right? Fucking right. And buy some Nike stuff. <laughs> Final plug for Nike. <laughs> hey, Martin here again with an audio goodie bag of a bonus before you head off. First up, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please subscribe and follow Smarter Destiny across iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. It really helps spread our message, and you'll get valuable content along the way, too. Secondly, if you have an e-commerce business or are thinking of starting one, grab a copy of my new book, 1% Secret, recommended by Kevin Harrington and a host of other elite guys. Even better, it's free. Just help out with the shipping costs. So head to smarterdestiny.com forward slash book to grab your free copy. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode.